Thank you for joining us for today's Real Life Today Bible Study with Dr. Brad Witt from the Book of Romans. Thank you for your prayer and support that enables us to share this practical biblical teaching. So grab a Bible, a notebook, and a pen, and let's study God's Word together. Get your Bibles and turn to Romans chapter 3, all right? Romans chapter 3, and uh, and get your Bible. Again, I always try to say this, get your Bible, uh, get your Bible out, get your Bible. At Abilene, we teach out of the Bible. We preach out of the Bible. Who cares what stories we have if it doesn't, if you're not coming out of the Bible? And uh, you know what? Uh, if you have a pastor that preaches a text that the writer of the text wouldn't recognize, he's not preaching the Bible. Uh, and so uh, we, we don't preach sermons from Scripture. We preach the Bible. We preach Scripture. And so uh, we're in Romans chapter 3 today. And uh, <clears throat> one of the neat things that, that I like to do, um, I get kind of caught up in it sometimes, is... Um, on my iPhone is sometimes, and, and this is my timer iPhone because my iPhone, my real iPhone is recording. Uh, but my, my timer iPhone, one of the things I like to do, uh, it's a time waster, but I'll get over on Facebook or something like that and I'll start scrolling through those those videos. And uh, you got the X Factor and uh, um, America's Got Talent. I love those type of things, the X Factor and the singers and, and, uh, and the musician, or rather the magicians, those sorts of things. When you come to Romans chapter 3, you, you don't have the X factor. What you do have here is the faith factor. So you've come off this section, uh, the previous section that um, talks where you had this court scene where you had the charge and the indictment, the defense and the verdict. And then you come to Romans chapter 3, verse 21. Look down there at, at those first two words, but now. Let me just stop right there for a second. The Apostle Paul, he begins this new section with, with two little words, T-un or Ti-un. Um, translated here, you see it, but now. Uh, Paul uses this little phrase 18 times in his letters. He uses it twice. Uh, if you believe he wrote Hebrews, um, my, my professor uh, David Allen says it's Luke. But anyway, uh, in Paul's epistles, his letters, and then the book of Hebrews, uh, it's used a total of 20 times. You don't find this little thing, this little, this little uh, construct here anywhere else in the New Testament. What it is, it's an adverb of time. Uh, it's one of Paul's favorite expressions. Uh, and he uses it to mark <clears throat> a transition from a dark something that's dark and gloomy to something that is amazing and wonderful and beautiful that God does for us. And so that's, that's how he starts this new section. He says, but now the righteousness of God apart from the law is revealed, being witnessed by the law and the prophets. Put a star right there. Even the righteousness of God, which is through faith in Jesus Christ, to all and on all who believe. For there is none, no difference. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Um, and, and so here, here you have this, um, uh, this new section. And um, you, ever, you ever been standing in uh, the checkout line and you see all these crazy tabloid uh, titles? And uh, you're, you're reading through them, and I, I tell you what, they're just so unbelievable that they, they challenge your ability to believe them. I mean, John God is ghost running the mafia. Uh, uh, you've got a computer virus spreads to humans. Boy, don't even breathe that one out loud, okay? Uh, you've got mini mermaid found in a tuna sandwich. <laughs> you've got uh, Vladimir Putin is a robot. Might, might believe that one. Farmer shoots a 23-pound grasshopper. Surgeons cut my head off and sewed it. Uh, sewed it back on. And, uh, and, and so uh, you, you read through these, and, uh, but compared to these stories, the faith that God asked for, it, it's simple. And it's, it, it's placed in a way more reliable source. It is by 
faith. Paul says that we receive our righteousness from God. And so this righteousness is several things. First of all, it's visible. In other words, you see it in the Old Testament. Look back in verse 21. But now the righteousness of God apart from the law is revealed. Watch this. Being witnessed by the law and the prophets. What does that mean? Well, the law and the prophets, that's talking about all of those Old Testament books. Uh, it's talking about all the politi- uh, poetical books, all the historical books, as well as the Pentateuch, the first five books uh, of the laws. Uh, and, and so you have all of the Old Testament. And so God's righteousness, he says, is visible. It's clearly seen in uh, the law and the prophets, all of the Old Testament. In other words, God never hid his righteousness. As a matter of fact, the purpose of the law, especially in the Ten Commandments, uh, is to reveal the righteousness of God and the absolute futility of man to somehow measure up by keeping uh, the law. So it's visible, but also it's available. In other words, <clears throat> it can be had, it can be found, received rather through Jesus Christ. He says in verse uh, 22, even the righteousness of God, which is through faith in Jesus Christ to all and on all who believe, for there is no uh, difference. Uh, Paul says that this righteousness is through faith in Jesus Christ. The Old Testament, all they had to do was the ability to, to show you the righteousness of God. In the New Testament, through the person, the work of Jesus Christ, we can now actually share in God's righteousness. And so when we accept Jesus Christ as our Savior, when we repent of our sin, when we turn from our sins, when we trust Jesus Christ, our sins are forgiven, and now we have a right relationship. We can have a right relationship with God the Father. And so it's visible, it's available, and it's universal. Look, look what we said there. Uh, it is through faith in Jesus Christ to, our, to all and on all who believe, for there is no difference. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Paul doesn't hold back. He doesn't hold any, pull any punches. He says there's no difference. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, whether you're Jew or whether you're Greek. In other words, uh, whether you're uh, non-Jewish, whether you're Gentile, uh, we all need the righteousness of God. Whether you're the religious, ritualistic Jew, where you're some, some Greek, you're Gentile, you're everybody else, we all need the righteousness of God. Righteousness is the only gift. You know, we're, we're, we're all trying to find Christmas presents now, and you're trying to find gifts that fit people and sizes. Also. Righteousness is the only gift that fits everybody, regardless of their size, regardless of whether they're male or female, uh, what nation they're a part of. It fits everybody. And so you, he starts off here with this, with this faith factor. <clears throat> and then in verse 24, he begins to talk about God's plan for, for us. He says, being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God set forth to be a propitiation. So there's that atoning sacrifice, okay? Uh, propitiation. Um, it means to be declared right, to be declared to be in the right. God doesn't make us right in the sense that we're, we no longer have any fault, no longer have any sin. He... he what he does is he, he declares us right based upon Jesus' death on the cross. And so verse 25, whom God set forth to be a propitiation by his blood through faith to demonstrate his righteousness because in his forbearance God had passed over the sins that were previously committed. To demonstrate at that time, at the time, at the present time, his righteousness 
that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. Where is boasting then? It is excluded. By what law? Of works. No, by the law of faith. Therefore, we conclude that a man is justified by faith apart from the deeds of the law. Or is he the God of the Jews only? Is he not also the God of the Gentiles? Yes, of the Gentiles also. Since there is one God who will justify the circumcised by faith and the uncircumcised through faith, do we then make void the law through faith? Certainly not. On the contrary, we establish the law. So my nanny, my grandmother, had a, had a phrase, and she drilled it into us. Plan your work and work your plan. And you, do you realize, I was looking up even this morning, <clears throat> that according to the best research, less than 3% of Americans have written goals. And uh, less than 1% review and write their goals on a daily basis. The, the rest of Americans uh, don't have any idea where they're going. They don't have a plan for anything. Thankfully, God has a plan. And it's recorded right here in the Bible. And, and Paul reveals three aspects of God's plan. And, and he says that God's plan is for us to be justified by his grace. He wants us to be justified by his grace. Look at verse 24. He says, being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Uh, the word justify there, Dr. Rogers always said, means just as if I never sinned. Uh, again, it's that word I mentioned a moment ago, uh, to be declared to be in the right. Uh, that's that idea there, is the, uh, to ju be justified. Uh, it, 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 it's, it's way different than just being pardoned. Um, it, it's actually even better than being forgiven. Uh, again, you may say to me, and, and, and you, I may wrong you, and you might say to me, well, I forgive you. But if I have, you haven't justified me, uh, I, I, I can't justify you. You know what I'm saying? And, and so um, I, I can't pay for your sin, basically. I can't pay for your sin. But when God justifies a man, he says, I pronounce you a righteous man. From now on, I'm going to treat you like you never committed any sin. And by the way, he can do that because Jesus Christ paid the price for our sins. <clears throat> what really shocked Paul's fellow Jews was the fact that he claimed that God was willing to justify not just the good people. Because remember, remember the Jews, good God's not willing to justify good people, but sinners. God doesn't wait for us to clean up ourselves and then come to him. What he, do, we, he does the cleaning, we do the coming. We come to him, he cleans us up. He meets us where we are. He takes us to where he wants us to be. That's grace. He says here we are justified freely by his grace. But then God desires, God plans for us to be liberated, set free by the blood of Jesus Christ. Look at verse 25 and 26 whom God set forth to be a propitiation by his blood through faith to demonstrate his righteousness because in his forbearance God had passed over the sins uh, that were previously committed to demonstrate at the, pre at the present time his righteousness that he might be, the ju might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. There are a lot of folks who have a problem with the blood. I saw an article about years ago by Frank Stagg hanging on a door, uh, one of the professor's door at Mid-America Baptist Theological Seminary where he referred to this idea of uh, the substitutionary death of Jesus on the cross as a slaughterhouse religion. So there are a lot of folks who find <clears throat> the blood of Jesus Christ 
disturbing. Uh, they want some sort of a spotless, sterile, <clears throat> sanitized kind of a religion. And uh, they, don't, they don't want to think about something as messy and yucky, if you will, as the blood. But Paul says that it's in Christ Jesus, whom God set forth to be a propitiation, that's an atoning sacrifice, by his blood. That's how we have righteousness. Um, there, there was a, a lawyer who claimed to be a Christian, and he offered to defend a, a, a client that he knew to be guilty. And somebody asked him, said, how in the world can you do that? Uh, how, how can you defend somebody that you know to be guilty? And he said, because somebody defended me when I was guilty. God did more than just enable or allow man to escape the consequence of our crime. He took that consequence upon himself at the cross. In the person of Jesus Christ, he took all of our sin. He took all of our judgment, all the consequences. Through the blood of Jesus Christ, God's done way more than ever needed to be done. The penalty is paid in full. To Telestai, it is finished. Paid in full. Now it's up to us to receive the saving benefits of his death, his blood his, that was shed upon the cross. And then, lastly, his plan is for us mm, to be humbled by our shortcomings, by the fact that we don't measure up. Look, look, look in verse 27 through 31, and you even kind of see that, <clears throat> you can kind of see that in, in, uh, back in verse 23. Uh, but in 27, where is boasting then? It is excluded. By what law? Uh, of the works, of works. Not, no, but, but by the law of faith. Therefore, we conclude that a man is justified by faith apart from the deeds of the law. Or is he the God of the Jews, of the Jews only? Is he not also the God of the Gentiles? Yes, of the Gentiles also. Since there is one God who will justify the circumcised by faith and the uncircumcised through faith, do we then make void the law through faith? Certainly not. On the contrary, we establish the law. Uh, Paul asks, where is boasting then? By what law? Of works? No, but by the law of faith. You know, <clears throat> the fatal flaw of man is our pride. How did, how did Satan trick and tempt? Adam and Eve. He appealed to their pride. Uh, he said, hey, if you'll eat of this tree, I know you're not supposed to eat of it. The reason why God doesn't want you to eat of it is because he knows that the day you eat of it, you'll become like him, knowing good and evil. And that's Genesis 3, verse 5. Nothing has changed much since then. Uh, if, if salvation were just a matter of doing something, churches would be slam full. Matter of fact, a lot of the popularity of the cults comes from the fact that they're based upon works. You can do something. You can earn something. You can pass out enough watchtowers. You can uh, go and have your wedding at the, at, at the tabernacle, um, <clears throat> those sorts of things. If we, but if, we could, if we could stand before God and say, look at all I've done. I've done this. 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 You should let me into heaven. We'd all love that. God, look what I've done. Look, look what I've achieved. Look what salvation would be just, it'd be a pop, really popular game because we could boast, look at what I have done. Why? Because it appeals to our pride. But that's not the way that it works. There's no room for works. There's no room for pride. There's no room for us boasting, Paul says. Instead, we've got to be humble. Humility is the requirement. And if we can't come to God humbly, we can't come to him at all. That's the, that's the whole thing about repentance. 
is that you have to admit that you're a sinner. Nobody likes to do that. And you've got to repent, turn from your sin in order to turn to and come to Christ. Peter says that God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. And that's exactly what Paul teaches here in Romans chapter 3.